Andrew Cuomo said that the numbers of coronavirus cases have gone down. And then he went on to say, God didn't bring it down. Faith didn't bring it down. Destiny didn't bring it down, so forth and so on. But it was brought down by, you know, the hard work of the, you know, government and I guess by extension him, yeah, <laughs> to take credit for it, yeah. So that was a statement that he made. And then we have, on the other hand, somebody on Facebook uh, giving a video of themselves kind of ranting about that, how this man said something blasphemous. And also then the guy who was a Christian, he went on to say, um, the gods of science and facts are coming against the children of God, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I mean, but, but, but it was a strange thing here because we had like two extremes, you know, on the one hand, um, we have a guy who insisting that God has nothing to do with it, right? God didn't bring the numbers down. So his insistence is to exclude God from the equation. And, and basically, I mean, it's atheism, right? Uh, and on the other hand, we have somebody who actually explicitly opposes science and facts as if they were a kind of false god or something. He said the gods of science and facts are coming against the children of God. And that sort of dichotomy sort of reinforces the, the claim that's made that belief in God or belief in the involvement of God in the affairs of the world in any way entails that a person has to kind of deny science and facts and basically deny rational pragmatism. So we have people who were going to church even after people were saying you know don't gather in large numbers yeah people were doing that and in the muslim world too it happened in indonesia and malaysia and i guess india the jamaat al-tablik likes to have these large groups and meetings with a lot of people come together and in the u.s there are also these mega churches people like to go to the big church with lots of people and even despite the warnings about coronavirus and the calls to kind of, you know, be social distancing, they're going and people were, you know, asking them again on the internet, our, our sort of world that we live in, where um, people were driving up to the church and, you know, they have a lady saying, nothing can touch me because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. You know, we're not going to get the virus. Sometimes in the case of the Muslims there in Indonesia or Malaysia, I'm not talking about all of them, I'm talking about this specific, same with the Christians here in the U.S., these are specifically these people who are making an explicit statement of sorts by um, meeting in the large groups to show that they're people of faith rather than sort of unbelievers of some kind. In the case of the Tabliki Jamaat guys, they were usually not saying things like that. Of course, they weren't saying they're covered in the blood of Jesus because that's a strange and meaningless thing for a Muslim to say. But um, they don't think that, you know, they can have some magic power. They're not going to get touched. Rather, they're sort of showing that they're not afraid of death. You know what I mean? They're not afraid to die and they're like, you know, take the hereafter more seriously than the this life. Uh, basically, in that sense, they're kind of ignoring the fact, it seems, that... Um, 
how we actually deal with this life and how we preserve life and make life better is connected to the hereafter, right? Not just that we kind of throw life away, but, you know, I guess they they feel like they're meeting their, spe- you know, the specific group activity that they have planned is, you know, sort of the overarching quality of life. That's more important than anything else, right? Even avoiding a medical crisis or something. No, like a lot of times the people will kind of deny the scientific reports or the the prognosis, right? You go to a doctor and don't necessarily have to believe what the doctor says to you about your condition or about the diagnosis. And of course, doctors can make mistakes and you can go to get a second opinion, for example, right? Or a person might not think that they know what they're talking about. So... Someone might distrust the scientific community or they might not think that natural science gives actual real knowledge about things and that they have some other better source of knowledge about nature and what's going to happen and how to avoid disease or whatever. But that seems like it's quite another thing to deny the possibility of um, scientific knowledge altogether. That's why I wondered about the lady who claimed that, for example... She was covered in the blood of Jesus or something, so so nothing could touch her. It almost seemed like God is a technology then. Like if somebody were to take a virus vaccine or a flu vaccine once they come up with one, and on that basis feel like they're automatically protected from getting, you know, a, a, the flu or a coronavirus. In that case, you know, the, the, the thing is like a tool, and it's completely under the control to use it. And if somebody talks about God's blood being covered over them, you know, being that kind of protection as if it's a kind of a tool, that's quite different from somebody who thinks that anything can happen because God can do anything. And, you know, God may not protect you, right? If, you, if you're 100% sure that God has to do something because you said the right magic words or covered yourself with the blood or something like that, then it's like, you know, uh, God's kind of like your instrument. And you're in, in, and you're in control of them, and that seems to me kind of a very modern technological way to think about God. On the other hand, a person who really thought everything is in the complete control of God and God can really do whatever He wills, then it would maybe you would arrive at the conclusion that you don't ever know what to expect and you don't have control of anything. And that's quite a different perspective. Sometimes these perspectives kind of get lumped together as something like we we use a label religious, but in fact, these two are quite different. And they may be equally problematic, but for different reasons. One might think and probably has good reason to think that an idea about God and God's providence, which ultimately renders the world completely inexplicable and uncontrollable so that you're helpless, is uh, as this problematic you know, as the idea that um, God doesn't get involved at all or has no place at all. And it sort of puts everybody in the world, because we're connected by the internet, into a kind of a common conversation about this, which maybe hadn't really happened before, I don't think. So that people from in different places, from different sort of religious or non-religious perspectives, all end up having to have a conversation with each other about how nature works and what 
and how we understand the role of God in nature to be and how we understand the role of you know science and uh, what we understand the function of science and scientific facts should be in our decision making. But it's also a question about what we can ethically um, do uh, on the basis of our views about that. So if somebody thinks that God is going to keep them safe from contracting or transmitting coronavirus, can they then go and do something on the basis of that faith, which uh, from the point of view of science seems to put others at a great risk of, of, of harm. There's a whole nest of philosophical issues that if there was a such thing as a living Islamic philosophical tradition, Muslim philosophers ought to be talking about this instead of just listing the names of all the great Muslim thinkers in history like Ibn Sina and Al-Farabi and Al-Kindi and expecting everybody in the world to give Muslims like a, a gold medal or a blue ribbon or some kind of thing. Rather, these are real topics in front of us now that people should be discussing, I think, but that are related to discussions that happen in history and that we can, we can use those historical discussions understood correctly to illuminate the current predicament. That's, that's, that's my thought. And then on the other hand, it seems like we have a perspective in society which seems like it would like to believe that there are not alternative opposing scientific theories or viewpoints, but rather science is just one authoritative thing. Um, and they would like it to be the case that there was one answer that uh, scientists give about something and that they could say this is the fact and this is true because it's scientific. But when there ends up being sort of dispute uh, on scientific grounds about something, uh, there's sort of a discomfort, right? And people like to think that automatically, maybe they like to automatically think that such uh, people are sort of anti-science. It could be the case that somebody's perspective uh, or their position or opinion is not supported by the scientific evidence and so that they're mistaken. But that would be different from saying that they're anti-scientific in the sense that they're opposed to the whole enterprise of, of, of scientific investigation. But your point is good because you were pointing out that really... It's a matter of what people want, right, rather than what they think or what they believe, suggesting that the meeting of the, you know, Jamato Tablik or the big megachurch service that Christians in America would like maybe to go to is sort of like their version of clubbing, right? So <laughs> there are people who would want to go clubbing despite the coronavirus uh, uh, threat and, and then they will still do that. Yeah, they're not saying the blood of Jesus will protect them, you know. They might say something, they might be thinking like, my sheer, I'm covered in my sheer sexiness, you know what I mean? And, and so that'll protect me from getting the virus, right? But they probably wouldn't say that, yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess I wouldn't go out and think that I specifically had some kind of special protection from God. Although, I would hope for it, right? Yeah, but I don't think that I can control God in that, in that way. But how do we understand the relation between God's ability to intervene and 
you know, our ability to understand nature and expect uh, things from nature so that we can actually take pragmatic, practical action. Tie in your camel, as they say. So trust in God and tie your camel, right? If you're going to tie your camel and that makes any sense, then it has to be the case that we have good reason to expect that the rope will keep the camel from escaping. But if anything could happen, uh, then, you know, it doesn't seem like that makes much sense. Dealing with this topic um, as applied to the current situation is probably uh, something needed, right? Okay, I'll try to put the question in a much more clear way. What kind of confidence do we need to have in people who claim to speak for science or speak about, you know, what's going to happen with the virus and what we need to do in order to actually alter our lifestyles to such a huge degree? I think we need to trust credible sources. So how do we know who the credible sources are? Maybe the World Health Organization. Yeah, so That's the question Yeah, you're you're telling me the name of an organization, but the question I had was how do we know who the credible sources are? So you can tell me that the World Health Organization is a credible source, but the question I'm asking is how do we know that they are a credible organization? We know some things about the World Health Organization. We know that the United States is the biggest financial sponsor of the World Health Organization. Uh, and that Donald Trump has recently said he's going to pull all American funding from it because he thinks that the World Health Organization was controlled by China or protecting China or something like that. We know China is also a donor to that organization, but giving a lot less than the U.S. And we also know that I think a donor who is donating as almost as much as the U.S. is the Bill Gates Foundation. Right? So, <laughs> you know, someone might actually say, you know, we can't assume that the World Health Organization is 100% uh, objective. So if that's the case... How much authority can we really give people who speak in the name of science over what we do and what we don't do? How can we, can we independently assess their veracity of their claims? So there is some disagreement, right? So we have actually some scientists who are saying the right strategy would be to isolate the elderly people and those with, with other conditions and then allow the virus to spread among the population in order to develop this natural immunity that comes when the virus you know, spreads around. And they're claiming that it's a big mistake to do the social distancing because then that just extends the lifetime of the virus and it extends the time which we have to keep this economic shutdown, which actually then people suffer from as well. So... Are these two legitimately different perspectives if they're both based on... No, I mean, nobody's talking about being covered in the blood of Jesus and protected by that. These are two alternative um, predictions and assessments of the situation. 
do you think it's the case that we need everybody to obey some kind of program and so that for the sake of getting everybody on the same page we just have to suppress the disagreements and the different scientific opinions in favor of making everybody believe that there's only one scientific viewpoint and on the basis of the authority of science you know obey that authority i think we have to um see what is logical which one is more logical right so how do we decide that or Uh, can we collectively decide that? And in the meantime, are we going to just say, everybody just do what they want until we figure this thing out, we, we assess the two positions, you know, logically. So what if I were to say, all the discussions about this should be silenced in public. They should all take place only in private. And so the general public should never know that there are different scientific opinions. Rather, we should actually keep all scientists, qualified people discussing in private. Nobody's allowed to talk about it. And that way, everybody will do exactly what we say. Because if we have these other scientists going out on YouTube and stuff saying, actually, the plan that WHO has and the thing the governments are telling us to do is all wrong and it's all the bad move and it's going to make it worse, we should do this instead, then... People aren't going to listen to what the governments are telling them to do, right? They're going to think, oh, what this other guy is saying is true. And we should do that instead. And you'll have chaos. So if science is the authority that, on the basis of which we tell people what to do, then this authority has to be tightly controlled, right? You can't just allow everybody to go around talking about what science says. Do you think? Or should it be a free and open discussion about what's scientific? Like an open public discussion. You can imagine even a disease where they know it's serious, everybody agrees it's serious, but they're just vastly mistaken about what will keep it from spreading and what, what actions will be better. So they take the wrong action and it actually results in more people being killed or more people suffering, even though they, you know, that doesn't mean they didn't take it seriously, right? So both sides here were going, yeah, this virus is serious. But one is saying, oh, what we need to do is social distancing to stop its spread and shut down the economy and everything until, until the time when it's sort of gone away. And the other side is saying, when is it going to go away? It can only go away when we actually develop, you know, kind of a social or what they call it, herd immunity. And that can only happen when enough people contract it so that we, you know what I mean? Enough people get immune to it, so it goes away. I don't know. Both of them seem like the they're based on science, but they have different... And both of them seem to take this disease seriously. Nobody's claiming that a disease is a conspiracy or something like that. Right? They're just having different uh, ideas about what's the best way to deal with it, right? Huh? Because if we keep the economy and the society shut down indefinitely hoping for the disease to go away while we take all the measures that seem to prevent it from going away, which is, you know, keeping people from getting it, then that might be more damaging than the alternative. Those are two different viewpoints, and all I know is that they both seem to be trying to base their viewpoints on facts and science, but they're very different, and the consequences of either one are very different. 
But I do see that the problem is that as long as the general public feels like there is a scientific alternative to what they're being told, they won't go along with what they're being told. And then no coordinated policy is possible. So if science is going to be the authority, or if we're going to say, I mean, the general public isn't scientists. We're not scientists, and you know, we're, you're not scientists. But we're thinking like, oh, something is scientific, therefore we have to take it seriously and follow it. Or the alternative is somebody saying they're covered in the blood of Jesus, and so nothing will happen to them, which is silly. So we don't take that seriously. 